to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I am thrilled beyond belief to have my guest today introducing Alex Batorf to you. She is just such a wonderful person. She really puts what she thinks and what she does out there. And I I love it so much. She's the founder and CEO of a company called Get Shit Done. It's actually an accelerator program for women entrepreneurs. She's a huge supporter and advocate of women entrepreneurs so that they scale generational impact. I love that so much, Alex. And I I am thrilled that you are here with us today on Sugar Coated. So welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am excited uh, to have this conversation with you because I think that, you know, more and more as women are sort of leaving the traditional workforce, corporate America, we've seen droves of of women leave uh, through the great resignation and what the pandemic sort of exposed. I love that you're doing something to help women entrepreneurs that is super practical and actionable, right? I, I love how you talk about it's not so much about growing these, you know, billion-dollar unicorn companies, but really uncovering what are the key components of success for women so that they can, you know, build wealth not only for themselves but for generations to come. So can you just talk a little bit about, you know, how you sort of got here uh, to the place where you're running this accelerator program and and why you started it? Yeah, for sure. So Get It Done is really a platform and community for women entrepreneurs to grow their revenues so they can scale generational impact. And part of what we do is the accelerator program. And what kind of brought me there was my former experiences building businesses. So this is my third. I've literally been building businesses since I was 19. Every therapist and coach would tell you that I would be an awful employee. So luckily, I've, I've been pretty... Actually, let me switch my language. I don't believe in luck. Um, I am blessed <laughs> to... I work my ass off. There's there's no luck here. I'm blessed to have been able to have the skill sets and experiences that got me here. Um, With my first two companies, they were in the fashion tech space. And I've done the VC route. I've done the bootstrap route. My last company exited in 2019. What was really interesting is as we were scaling that company before it exited, I just remember there was two really loud narratives around women entrepreneurship that didn't make sense contextually to the sociologist within in me. So I'm a sociologist by background. I think in context and systems all day and how those affect people. And mm. on one side, we were hearing 
wow, look at all these women starting businesses. Actually, women, and the data proves this, are starting companies at a higher rate than men, especially women of color, especially black women start at the highest rate, which I am a black woman. So I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. But then I'm looking at the rooms I'm in and I'm like, A, I am usually one of the only women and I am definitely the only black person here. So where are all these people? Then the other side was, well, it sucks for women entrepreneurs because we don't have investors. If only we had investors, we could succeed. And as someone who had investors at the time, I'm like, I can tell you right now, investors don't solve your problems. A check from an investor, a check from any any outside capital amplifies what's already there. Mm -hmm. So if nothing is there, it will amplify nothing. If you have no Mm -hmm. momentum, it will amplify nothing. That's like anything Mm -hmm. in life, right? It's like when people try to do these, and this is what my grandmother calls, we're the microwave generation. She was like, you all just want it instantly. Just go to YouTube and type in how to do something. You will find something that will say, get it, follow these five steps or figure it out and become a millionaire in 10, 30 days, whatever it is. Mm. Nothing yeah, we're selling good. the wrong message. It's the yeah. wrong thing. Nothing good ever comes out of that. It never comes no. out of just these quick things. And one of my yeah. favorite sayings that I heard before I started the company was like, if you give someone a check, they're probably going to need another check. You give someone a strategy, they can probably pull themselves out of it. We weren't talking about the strategies for what allows companies to successfully scale and what actually leads to building that generational wealth. And so for me, I became an entrepreneur because what's important to me is scaling impact. But what that looks like long term is being a part of the Black community. We are at risk at being in negative generational wealth by 2053. Entrepreneurship is one of the most powerful vehicles to bridging wealth gaps, especially for underserved communities, people of color and women. If you look at the Forbes, like most like self-made lists or most, you know, wealthy people, when you typically see the women on there, they either come and this is not their fault. They didn't do anything wrong, but it's typically inherited or and through family or a a husband, a marriage. Mm-hmm. Or they are a bionic athlete <laughs> yes. or <a> Rihanna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes. And love them, proud of them, but it's like it just seems so, it just doesn't seem attainable. And then we keep creating these tropes, whether we see it in income levels and entrepreneurship, where it's this, it's these exceptions. I'm gonna be the exception to the rule. And so everyone's trying to go down this path. And most of those, the path is not going to work for most people. And so we're missing this really big opportunity. Well, mate, there's nothing wrong with having a unicorn company. But what I was thinking of was, well, if I look at socially, the most strong societies have a strong middle class. Mm-hmm. Business is very similar. <laughs> All of this is a mirror of each other, you know? It really is, yeah. It is a mirror. <laughs> so I wanted to understand for women who want to build scalable And for us, that is a million and up in revenues. Because fun fact, only 1.7% of women have ever scaled beyond a million in revenues. I'm grateful to have done it. But I'm like, why aren't more doing it? Because we keep making women reliant on systems that might not even work for us, or we're not being taught how to work these systems. And we were just talking in our community the other day that there's this Miles Davis quote that I love that says, you have to learn the rules before you can break them. 
So mm. yeah, while we can say fuck patriarchy and all that, I'm like, you can't really say burn down patriarchy. Well, you can't really do that if you don't even understand how it works. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know the system. Yeah. So you can't, what are you burning down? You know? Right. Um, so that's really where Get Shit Done came from was really identifying what is the systemic barrier for women? Because it, the math wasn't mathing. And while there were these really grandiose, you know, sayings or people saying this is the problem, I'm like, that it's not adding up. And that's when we, you know, I spent thousands of hours with hundreds of women up to this point and then coupled it with the data and it basically validated itself. When we spoke to women entrepreneurs and we said, what are the biggest challenges in their companies? Nine out of 10 times when they said they needed capital, what they meant was revenue. I need more customers. I need more revenue. That's Mm -hmm. different than outside capital. And the data validated that. So I get shit done. I don't know if this is going to be actually recorded on or you'll see the video, but I'm holding up my phone. It says one of our mottos, fuck 4%. (laughs) And we say we have potty mouths with a purpose, but it's with intention because we want people to focus on the bigger picture here. And the bigger picture here that validates that nine out of 10 women when they talked about capital actually meaning needing revenues. Well, that's what the data shows. Women own nearly half of businesses in the U.S., but we only generate 4% of total revenues. No one is talking about revenues. What are we doing? Everyone's just saying, go get an investor. And the amount of times I want to beat my head against the wall is we have to do so much educating with women around. They're like, oh, I need this investor. And I'll look at her business and I'm like, well, honey, this is not VC backable. What do you really want? And so that was what put us on this trajectory of starting the business and really diving into, well, what do we do better than anyone else in the market? Because we don't want to, we don't need to add more of what already exists. There's all these programs, all these communities, and they have great intentions. But I'm like, our North Star is that 4%. I don't really, quite frankly, and potty mouth with a purpose, but I don't give a fuck to say we have all these women in our community. There's tens of thousands. What I care about is being able to say, look at the women in our community and the quality of their outcomes. She's increasing revenues by X percent. She Mm -hmm. is increasing users by this amount. She's Mm -hmm. raising X amount of capital, which usually comes from having traction. That matters because that scales the generational impact that we want. So yeah, we started with the accelerator and then um, that really moved into our community. Um, And I'm sure we'll get into that, but that's really what is the fire in my belly that started it, but then has then created this movement of all these women that are like, this is, oh my God, you're saying all the things (laughs) that I've been needing, but I didn't know because there's so much smoke and mirror mirrors Mm. in this space because so much of it is fixated on raising capital. Raising capital is not a business model. No, no. Although some people approach it like it is one. <laughs> oh, and, th- and then you have all these companies that are what we find out are Ponzi schemes. And then all these these companies lose all these people's money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, Alex, you just sing my song. <laughs> and what you just said, it, it it's everything that I think about 24-7. You know, why why are women following rules that, are not designed to get them ahead, right? So one of the things that confounds me as an entrepreneur and in taking entrepreneurial education and also teaching it, we are 
promoting the idea that in order to build successful, scalable businesses, that we need to pattern those newly created businesses on what has been successful in the past. Well, guess what? The companies that were built in the past were not built to support women, period, right? So if we as women start to build businesses that are similar to the businesses that were successful in the past, we're literally building something that is not for us. And that's the that's the thing that is the mind bender for me. And it's it it almost gives the reason why, you know, women are only generating 4% despite the fact that we own 42% of the businesses. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm super interested in hearing from you is, you know, this idea around what types of businesses can women build that provide them with the type of, you know, income that we desire that are different than some of the businesses that have been built in the past? Like, is there anything happening where we're seeing businesses built and to scale in ways that are new and different? Yeah, great question. I would say it's important to kind of take a step back because on one side, it's so true. Like in in the VC world, there actually is a, a, a term for this, which is pattern matching. Mm-hmm. So most investors, venture capitalists at least, the way they're making bets on companies is that they are using a set of data from things they that were previously invested in that ended up having a successful exit because that is the goal for VCs. They're not building legacy. They don't care about a legacy company. They don't. They care nope. about an exit with a big ROI. That's why they want yep. these unicorns. And we can get into the numbers on that because most people, if they knew the number, the numbers, if entrepreneurs knew the numbers, most would be, yeah, my company's probably not VC backable. And there's a select few that are. I truly believe in venture capital when it's the right business model. It's a great vehicle when it's aligned, but they're doing pattern matching. And so what do we see has been successful in the past? Because mind you, women's rights, civil rights, that's still pretty new. (laughs) We haven't been in this game for too long, you know? So we're building the plane as we're going, but the problem is the data we have is already inherently biased. So I will never forget sitting down with one of my friends who runs a fund, two black men, incredible, you know, and they are trying to make more space for other founders of color and women. And I remember they were showing me, they were like, okay, we're trying to eliminate as much bias as possible. Here's how we're doing it. We're looking at all the different companies that invested before, taking all these data, and then we're going to make really good bets off of that. And I just looked at them and I was like, well, your decision's already biased because the data's biased. Yeah. Because what you're matching against, the ones that have succeeded before, look a certain way. They're a certain ethnicity. They are certain of a certain background, meaning geographies. There's data that shows that women who actually raise venture capital on like, I think it's like 75% on average go to business school. While I didn't in my last company, my former co-founder did. And on top of that, the types of schools we went to. So yes, while I am a, and I will never diminish my accomplishments because I am a queen and I deserve all of the flowers, but (laughs) I will never, the moment that we do not call out our privileges and use them for good is the moment we weaponize them. And it would do a disservice to the mission that I have to not say, hey, look, there's a couple of things 
that got me ahead. Did I come for money? Absolutely not. There was no friends and family around from my family. It was a hug and good luck. They didn't even understand <laughs> why people were giving me a check for something. <laughs> like, wait, yeah. how does this work? Wait, when are you going to get it back? Like, I don't understand, you know, but the moment I got into one of the top schools in the world, that gave me immeasurable access. I could even tell because I was a 19 year old raising. So people hear that you were 19. You're a black girl that raised. There's like only a very small percentage of black women that are raised and raised to be on a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's you. But I'm like, yes, but let's also look at some other things that were in my, my wheelhouse. I went to university of Chicago and I could tell when I talked to investors at that age, when I was in my, my early twenties, where they're like, Oh, who's this kid? The moment I would say what school I went to, I could tell this disgusting shift mm-hmm. where they would light up. It was like their version of the blue check mark on my forehead. Yeah. Like, oh, now you're worthy to me. And yeah. I just remember inside me having to compose myself because I'm like, this is so dehumanizing. Mm. But I'm going to leverage that shit to my advantage. Please believe yeah. so I can open other doors. It speaks to the the learn the rules of the game. Learn the rules of the game. You have to learn yeah. them. You got to get inside before you can break it, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, I am a light-skinned Black woman. So the amount of times that people are just like, I'm biracial as well. They're like, they don't even know what I am. And (laughs) so there's a level of which I speak, and my mom's a Black woman, that there's shit I get away with in speaking, like even me speaking this way right now, where if my mom, who's a few shades darker than me, said it, she would be seen as aggressive, Mm -hmm. more aggressive than me. Yep. So there's things I can get away with in this space where people might applaud it, but they're like, oh, but she's saying it in a different way. No, I'm not. I'm not. It's the way you perceive me. And then the other side of it is I have, I have pretty privilege. I'm not bad to look at. And that was really hard for (laughs) me. Your hair is so good. (laughs) There's just, there's things, you know, I got some good DNA. Thanks mom and dad, you know, but that goes a long way too. It it really does. And I used to not. I used to not own that because as a kid, I remember my mom saying, my kids are going to be smart. And I never wanted anyone to walk away thinking, oh my God, she was just so pretty or whatever. I'm like, I want you to know how freaking smart I am, you know? But then I'm like, I don't need to prove shit to anyone. Just let me get in the door. (laughs) Let me get in the door and then make my way. So that's the part on pattern matching. But to your point around the types of models, Mm -hmm. it's in theory, that is so true. But in practice, it's hard because as cheesy as it might sound, you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. So if the only thing we see are these business models that were built by men that are being perpetuated. Yeah. How do we know what other routes to take? Yeah. And this is when pioneering something new is a very tricky territory because yeah. it requires a lot of collaboration. It requires a lot of intentional data gathering. And mm-hmm. this is why even when we constructed Get Shit Done, it was that Well, let's look at the different models. Mm -hmm. Let's look at what's working, what's not. And as we move forward together, how are we rising together? And in all of that, tracking the outcome. So in Get Shit Done, with our founders, we're not just saying, go through our programs, go, we're tracking outcomes. So for the moment you enter into, whether it's our community, our programs, we know what revenue you're at, and then we track it along your journey. Because again, Mm. we have to hold ourselves accountable as an organization. Otherwise, what are we here for? I don't care to just say, look at all these women. Again, I don't care about that. What happens long term? 
But in yeah. order for that to happen, there needs to be collective accountability. We keep asking entrepreneurs, especially women, especially people of color, show up, do the work. And this is what we typically do with marginalized communities. Keep putting the onus on them, but the systems in which are saying they want to support them aren't holding themselves accountable. They're no. benefiting and profiting off of those people yes. continuing to show up and continuing to get burned. And yeah. so we in our community can say, yes, look at from our previous cohorts, we have our data shows that our founders, if you look at our applicant pipeline, whether it's through our programs, through our community, the founders that go through our programs, our community perform 50% higher on revenue after they come into our pipeline, that's after amazing. they enter into. Yeah. And that's still, we. this is our third year. So imagine as we get more data and we keep growing together, how that goes up. That, that is exciting to me. That yeah. matters. And then more importantly, seeing founders who were in previous cohorts of our accelerator program that were at like less than 100,000 a year, a low six figures now moving over the million dollar mark. It's awesome. But at the end of the day, when it comes to thinking about these business models, I think the question to really ask is not necessarily what are the new and innovative ways. I think we have to create them because we're in very raw territory, unknown territory. But when we create them, there needs to be a lot of collaboration. Mm -hmm. There needs to be transparency in the system. That is the most important. Everybody wants to be the savior. We're going to be this for women entrepreneurs. We're going to be this for black and brown entrepreneurs. But I'm like, there's so much power in numbers. How are we all collectively, other organizations too. I talk to other organizations all the time saying, how can we do this together? And the ones that I know that are truly going to make impact, they don't feel threatened by that. Yeah. The ones that are like, yeah, hell yeah, we want to do this together because what we're good at at Get Shit Done is completely different than what someone else is. You can't be the be all end all. So Mm-mm. I think at the end of the day, for the system supporting women entrepreneur, there needs to be collective accountability. There needs to be collab- collaboration and there needs to be transparency. I don't really yeah. care. This It's vanity metrics now are just saying how many members you have or how many people go through your program. I don't care about that. And then on the side of the women entrepreneur, it is saying, how am I showing up? Because one of the biggest barriers, and again, this is social structures, the sociologist to me, like it makes, it hurts my heart sometimes because this is, this is all mindset, is that we have been socialized in shame as women since we were yes. kids. Oh my gosh, yes. Whether we like it or not, you can say, I'm a boss, I'm this or whatever, but there's still things like, it's like breathing in air. You can't get yeah. away with it. You can't get away from it sometimes. From it. You just have mm-hmm. to be aware of it. And so the other thing I see with women that when I look at a lot of my male counterparts, men and people have probably seen these like memes or whatever, men will give you 10 reasons why they're ready. Yeah. Women will give you 10 reasons why they still need to work on it. Yeah. So we're socialized in shame because of perfectionism for women. And so uh, what I'm seeing a lot of women doing is not showing up and being seen where they are right now. Yeah, yeah. And they're waiting until a moment. And I'm like, please stop waiting because you're waiting and you're not getting fed. You're not getting breathed into. We all have to work through this together, but it's hard work because it's new terrain and it requires us to all look at ourselves and say, what can I be doing? Because that's the only thing I can control. Yeah. Alex, I mean, you've 
said so much. I want to dive into like every bit of what you said. Because, Let's do it, girl. Oh, my God. Okay. So winding it back to this idea, and I feel like it's almost baked into our DNA, but it is, it's more the fact that we've been socialized. Even when many of us graduated from college to get jobs, right? Many of us did not choose a path of entrepreneurship because it wasn't even something that we thought was available to us, right? Unless you you had such a desire and drive, but many of us followed this corporate path. And in the corporate structure, there's there were there wasn't a lot of room for women to to rise through the ranks. So from the very beginning, we're taught that there's there's only a few and only a few can get it. So we bring this this, you know, we bring this over into our businesses, thinking that there's only a little bit, right? And and even the numbers kind of support that, right? We're only making 4% of the revenue. There's not a lot. So we create, even amongst ourselves, even though we want to help other women, we create this competition that's not really there. And and this competition is keeping us down. So, it, and it takes a lot of guts and just trust to say to someone, yes, I want to partner with you. I don't know what that looks like, but we're better together. Because I don't think that we even see a lot of that happening among women. So that's why I think you see all of these different, you know, boss babe and create and cultivate and this group and that group. And we're all, we're all out there trying to do it all. And we're not leveraging our collective wisdom. And it's infuriating. You know, we we do need to work together, but we also need to just have trust. And if it doesn't work out, that's just a learning lesson. We have to keep moving forward. But but so many of us women get stopped. And I think it's because of, of everything that you said, but it's because of this idea of perfectionism and mm-hmm. not feeling ready and mm-hmm. all of it. So I, I think that there's a lot of things that are you know, just below the surface that are contributing to this almost, you know, lack of success collectively for women entrepreneurs. And then it's the thing that also prevents VCs from investing in us because they're like, women-owned businesses don't get past a million dollars. Right. So it's, the competition piece is really key here. I will, I will never forget when I started my first two companies, I was still a really young entrepreneur and I actually, we wrote a, a, I think an email a few weeks ago out to our tribe where I said, I'm going to be real here. I did not feel supported by women in the beginning of my career. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. And I was jaded by it then. But now when I know, as I looked back and especially like I was raising capital between like 2010 and 2017, like yeah. pre-seed wasn't even a thing. I look, I'm like, what the hell is this pre-seed thing? You know? <laughs> I, I sound like someone's like aunt or a boomer, like whatever it is. Um, I am an auntie though. But, you know, now I can look back and have so much more empathy because I was looking to people that also didn't have the answers, that also didn't know the way. But again, to be socialized and shamed is to say, I have the answers. And we put this burden and pressure on women to have it. And yeah. 
to have the answers when we don't. One of my, the most empowering mm. phrase for me this year has been, I don't know. Oh, so yeah. for example, the way Adrian and I got connected was one of the people on our team, Takia, amazing. She's our associate program manager, reached out because we are consciously connecting to create collaborations with other aligned organizations because not, we can't serve every woman entrepreneur, but we want to be able to say, oh, the ones we might not serve or to have an additional resource. We want our founders to have all that, that information, that good information. Why would we want to hold that back from them? That there's something else that can help them and get them along. We don't even use the word competition within our ecosystem, within our community. That's not even, we literally, it's not even in our, our, like our vernacular. Yes. We don't because we have to model behaviors. Yeah. And mm. what is fascinating, and again, a privilege of mine is because of the scaling successes that I've had and rooms I got into, on one side, we're seeing story is the most powerful thing. We're watching TV and movies and showing this quote unquote, competition with men, with women, and that's how to go and that's how to get it done and beat them to the pulp and you like have to take it all over. And it's just like, you're wondering why our world is insane right now. It's just hyper masculine energy. We need a balance. We need both. We need both. We do need both. We need both. But what was so fascinating when I was learning in these rooms, and I actually see this a lot with men now, is that men were not threatened by saying, oh, what are you working on? Oh, let me introduce you to this person. Oh, yeah. let me, like, oh, let me look over, even if they were in the same space. Yeah. And for them, it became friendly. It was like, I want to be, I want to beat what I was yesterday. And I like that you're here now because you're going to push me. Yeah. And I even see this with my, my nephews, my, my, I call them my first babies, four nieces and nephews. But my first babies were my 13 and 15 year old nephew boys. They came down for spring break last year and I shit you not every day. They just were wrestling. Yeah. To wrestle each other. I'm like, why? <laughs> why do you guys need to keep fighting? And they, were, and they would just get all the aggression out and whatever. And I've seen this women. Men would literally get into fights, punch each other in the face and then hug it out and be fine 10 minutes later. <laughs> women, yeah. we do not. We will hold a grudge for years. We yeah. were like, what did you say to me? You know, and so yeah. <laughs> healthy balance. You don't want to go so far where you're beating people up, but you also don't want to go so far where we get stuck in our head about, oh, this person said this to me or whatever. Sometimes it's, we're all trying to give ourselves oxygen and we just don't know what. So we have to model the behaviors that we want to show up in our lives. So a big moment for me was instead of using the language of, well, these women aren't showing up for me. It was, well, how can I show up? so I can get that in return. I need to model the behavior. And once I started modeling the behavior, I just kept receiving and receiving. Because again, in weird territory, it's not modeled to us. We are told as a a young, young age, women compete, compete for the attention of that man, compete for that role, because there's only so many men that's going to be on this table. And it's like, I'm absolutely not because I'm worthy as I am, where I am, and I know my skill sets, and I'm going to stay in my lane. This is my lane, but your lane's over here. Cool. Maybe we can like drive a little bit together. Yeah. Share some of this. You know, I, I, of course, like I keep saying, everything that you're saying is 
it just hits me so hard. And I think that's why the first time that we spoke, I was like, oh my God, like, yes, I want to do everything with you. But especially the thing that you just said about operating in unknown territory and modeling the behavior, those two things together, right? So we have got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and operating in the unknown. And if we can model that behavior, then I think that other women will see, hey, it's okay to let your guard down. It's okay to partner with someone that you might not know how this ends up right? Take that chance. It's a psychologist friend of of mine who is so wise. You know, I, I talk about fear and she says that you can be afraid, okay? But don't let the fear stop you. Be afraid and do it anyway. And I, I, I feel like this is such a similar type of approach. Like, be uncertain, but model the behavior anyway and see what happens. And that's what we need to be putting out in the media. Like you talked about, there's not enough of these other types of companies that we're seeing, because, and, and that's why we're so uncertain. We don't see it, so we don't believe it. So what are some of the things that we can do to get stories like this out into the media? I mean, I don't know if you have an answer, but... You know, what are what are some of your thoughts? Because we need to stop just putting so much attention on these unicorns. Or if you're not a unicorn, you're like this like lifestyle business or this influencer. There's millions of other businesses in between that are really important. Yeah. And the interesting thing is we have to be mindful too of what we consume. Yeah. So mm. so much around us is scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. Comparison, comparison, yes. comparison. So there's not enough. And if I'm not there or where I want to be, I'm scrolling and scrolling and seeing all these people that are like killing it. One of my things that I realize I'm like, oh, I'm so tired of people that don't know me and it's from a good place, but they might see what we're doing on social media and they're literally like, oh my God, you're killing it. <laughs> and it was so interesting because it was like last what was it last winter? I was on, I was burnt out. My therapist was like, you are literally inches away from being depressed. Yeah. Inches. And then I would get all these people like, you're killing it. And I'm like, I'm dying inside. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm killing <And> myself. <laughs> literally killing myself. And I had to really take a look at what, what do I need to model for myself? That's going to make me feel healthier. It's going to help me get out of scarcity. Yeah. Um, one of those was a, for me personally. And again, I, I don't like blanketed advice. I did this for myself. Maybe not everyone can do this, but I took a literally de- looking at this repository of things in my life that I'm like, Ooh, I don't feel good when this thing is here. Yeah. Instagram was one of those things. Got yeah. rid of it. <laughs> like good. to the point that I will literally be dating and People are like, no, you have, you, you have an Instagram. I'm like, no, they literally think I'm just saying that to say it. I'm like, no, I don't have an Instagram right now. Our marketing yeah. manager gets to decide how we want to move forward with that channel. But right now it's LinkedIn. We do the best on LinkedIn. Okay, great. Yeah. And LinkedIn doesn't make me feel shitty. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 
And yeah. if our team decides, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with Instagram. And honestly, yeah. a lot of people like are complaining about that platform right now anyway. So I'm like, hey, we yeah. beat it to the punch. But more importantly, I give that example because a lot of this is the feeling of not enough and it's scarcity. Mm-hmm. Is like, there's just not enough. And to your point around, we don't see it. It's there, but we just don't have enough mind space and capacity to receive it. And even when we started Get You Done, what was so important to me was if we want to model this new ecosystem where women entrepreneurs are rising together, and more importantly, it's not just saying women, we have to be conscious of what women looks like because a lot of times, and again, modeling behavior because they don't realize it, unless we're conscious and aware and intentional about it up front, we end up modeling the same systems systems within the spaces that are marginalized that look like the system in which has power already. So example, yeah. women entrepreneurship, we tend to see the loudest organizations that have good intentions, but might not be making the impact they want because it's modeled after whiteness. So it looks yeah. very white and it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And then you don't see anyone else. That's why a lot of women, we have our community, 60% women of color. And even white women come to, they're like, oh my God, I needed like a break, Thank God. you know? Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. But it was because we had to model the behavior. And especially yeah. as a woman of color, I'm like, I'll be damned if I sit here and say, I want to see these people win, especially because black women entrepreneurs, our revenues are th- the lowest. If you look at, and this is where data and accountability is so important. Highest revenue performers at the top are Asian women. Then it's white women. Then it's everyone else in between. And then black women are right at the bottom. Mm. And it's because of how systems work. It's not because others are more worthy or they're more predispositioned to do it. It's because what's modeled in those spaces and what they have access to. Yeah. And the access is really important here when we talk about how we can see these new models, they're there. So what are you consuming for us? I get shit done. For example, when we did our podcast, I'm like, we, when we say we're interviewing women who have scaled beyond a million in revenues, Mm -hmm. everyone on our podcast, we interview has scaled beyond a million in revenues because we wanted to model the behavior. If you want to scale, because that's who we serve women that want to scale, you need to see the ones who have done it. We have to find all of these women, and I love doing it. Yes. And not just find them. If we know that there's a higher higher propensity for or a higher percentage of Asian and white women that are getting those revenues, that means I need to go even harder on finding women of color or uh, the other women of color outside of Asian women, Black women, Latin women, Indigenous women, so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. And that's work, but it's the work that we want to model. And so that's one place is like finding organizations that are walking the talk. Like yeah. if you want something to show up, you then have to create the capacity. So something's need to get cut, create the space and the capacity for yourself so you can invite those things in. If you have so much that you're overwhelmed with, you don't have space. And sometimes it's right under your nose, but because you're overwhelmed, you just can't invite anything else into your space. Yeah, that is so profound. And it's definitely something that I see myself doing, like filling the plate, filling the plate to to try and do everything, which is another 
socialized aspect of what women do, right? We try to be everything. We try to be Wonder Woman in every aspect of our lives. And that's something that I have learned and taken away from men is that they are able to focus on one thing and do it really well and then move to the next. So what can we learn from men as success factors in our own lives and and take that on without taking on becoming a man. And another, I have a question for you, actually, that I I would love for you to, to think about. You know, in your accelerator program, it sounds like there's more than just information that you're providing. Because my I, I think about all of the information that's out there, right? And, you know, is it just that it's as simple as what you just said, like, these women have it, it could be right under their nose, they're just not necessarily seeing it, or or they're not... They just need some guidance. Like, what's the, without this being a big question, like, what is the the key success factor? Or, or what are some of the key success factors in the women that are coming through your program that go beyond just information? For sure. And I would say to your point earlier around what men do really well, and this is where you can model. And it's okay to take from, like, what men are doing. Yeah. They're also delegating. And that means, yes. again, going back to support, knowing you are worthy enough to get support. Stop trying to do everything by yourself. And I'm saying yes. it in that voice because it's also me saying it to myself too. Yes. I have to remind myself <laughs> every day, stop trying to do it all. The superwoman thing, I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want to be no. superwoman. I want to be Alex. I'm good. Yeah. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> good as I am, you know? But something we always say to the, the women in our community, there's no silver bullet. I, and again, back mm. to what my grandmother says, this microwave generation, we just think, what's the blueprint? What's the thing? What's the yeah. one step or a couple of steps that's going to get me there? The, the, the answer is there is no one thing mm. because everyone's experience and collections of experiences get us to the destination we need to go to. Yeah. The moment we get off and derailed is the moment we keep trying to fit ourselves into a path that was never meant for us. Mm. And the most important thing that I had to realize with, because we're industry agnostic accelerator right now, but what we realized when we spoke to all these women, and then I looked at the women I knew that all had all scaled beyond a certain amount of revenues, raised yeah. revenue, like all the raised capital, all these things. And we had to do a deep dive. And this is how we curated our programming. What was it that we all did well? And how can we model that? Knowing yeah. there is no one size fits all, but there is... nothing is new. I always find it so cute when entrepreneurs are like, oh my God, this is so innovative. This is, no one's done this before. I'm like, yeah, they have. Yeah, Yeah, nothing's new. No ideas are new. Nothing is new. You're just, it's like going to the grocery store. You know what you're selecting from? This, a a bunch of the same shit with different packages. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone just executing a little different. The difference is in execution. But Mm. what we have to hold ourselves accountable to as an organization was, well, how can we give them access, but more importantly, understanding that all of them are playing their own game. They're not mm-hmm. competing. They're playing their own game. So we have to make sure that we're meeting them where they're at, supporting mm-hmm. them with the right one-on-ones, getting them on our proprietary traction tracker that helps them to stay focused based on where they're at. Because 
while people can say, oh my God, Google is your friend as an entrepreneur, I would say it's your frenemy. Because you might read an article that says, wow, this company launched all these Facebook ads and now they're a multi-million dollar company. What they didn't tell you is what they did to get to that moment and who was funding those ads. So then yeah. you get entrepreneurs that are like, well, if I just put $20 a day in it, no, it doesn't work that way. You will probably get nothing. You will probably, yeah. get, you will probably yeah. get nothing, especially with how these ads work now. And that's just one example. And so the way we had to structure it was really looking at what are these models that already exist? Yeah. Not just VC, not just lifestyle. What are a many? And we're still collecting them. And then who are other people that already know some of this information? So we're not doing it by ourselves. Yeah. And then what can we learn from them? And then how do we get this in front of our entrepreneurs and saying, based on your stage, where you're at and where you're trying to go, this is what you need to focus on right now. If you listen to our podcast, the top things we hear from women entrepreneurs that they do really well, it boils mm -hmm. down to three main things. Mm -hmm. mm, probably four. The first is listening. They listen very well mm -hmm. to their customers. Yes. They do not develop anything that no one asks them for. So again, perfectionism tells you, put this out in the world, don't show anyone, hide it, hide it, hide it. And then let me wait till I get it out into the world. And then when we don't get that applause or that big grand finale that we wanted and it falls, we then go back into our shame shell. Yeah. And we're like, I'm not good enough. It wasn't that you weren't yep. good enough. It was that you didn't listen and collaborate and co-create. You don't need to do this by yourself. The other thing is their ability to measure. Mm -hmm. And this is where listening comes from. So mm -hmm. the reason I can say our, our founders perform 50% higher is that we are measuring everything. We <laughs> have so much goddamn data. And yeah. it's, again, collective accountability. So they're measuring. And then when they listen and then they're measuring that it gives them the ability to get focused on what matters right now. Yeah. And one of my favorite coaches out there, her name's Jax Black. She, I remember when I left my last company, she used to tell me, because I gave myself so much anxiety, so much anxiety about it. Get it done. Pressure, pressure, pressure. She was like, Alex, you just need to get over this mountain so you can get to the next mountain. And there's going to be another mountain. And there's going to be another. And so the focus today is not going to be the focus in six months. And it shouldn't be. But we're overwhelming ourselves. And I would say that's the number one word we hear from entrepreneurs. It's mm. overwhelm. They're mm -hmm. overwhelmed because we're trying to do everything under the goddamn sun. Yeah. And we, we can't. You can get nothing done when you're trying to do everything. Yeah. So I would say those are the three main things. And I would say the fourth, in which is your founder's superpower, you do not need to be an extrovert, is sell. Sell, sell, yeah. sell. Stop oh, sitting behind your freaking computer. Yeah. And putting up those pretty Instagram posts. No, sell, get on the ground, talk to people in the mm. early stage. And I think this is the problem with a lot of, and this is misinformation or, or a lack of curated information. It's aggregated, but there's no curation right now. That's what we work on. I get shit done is that we are telling founders do X, Y, and Z, but it's not really telling you, well, at what stage. So yeah, you can have that Instagram page, but a lot of times you're doing things that don't scale. I'm actually don't really like to hear founders before a million in revenues talk about scale because you're not scaling, you're growing. You don't yeah. know what you're scaling. You need to focus on growing, experiment, figure out what works, what doesn't. Mm. Instead of putting up a post here and there and you're wondering why there's crickets, 
No. Are you DMing people? Are you going out now that we're whatever this is with COVID? Talk to people like one on ones, things that are not scalable. So then you can figure out what can scale. So I would say those are the four key things in a founder's control Mm. that consistently build epic companies that are in alignment with your vision of impact. And that's where we scale impact. So when we say scale, not just scale a big company, what's the impact you're scaling? And you need to get those four things down as an entrepreneur to see that success. Oh my gosh. So good. This, this is amazing. I, I feel like we could continue to talk for another three hours. And I'm just, I have my eye on the time. You have provided so much incredible information, insight, wisdom. And I just appreciate you so much. I, I, I love being in company with you. And I love the fact that you and I and our organizations are going to continue to do things together. So many of the women that are in the She Leads community are not over that one million mark. And so I would love. Most women aren't. Most women aren't, including including myself at She Leads Media. So, you know, I would love to be able to help women to understand what are some of the things that they need to do in order to set themselves up to to go down that path so that they get can get to a million. And I think that the information that you just provided about really listening to your customers and not building anything until you've heard that that's what they want. You know, so many women start these businesses out of passion, which is so great, right? Like you want to have passion behind it. But if you're just building something for yourself that you're passionate about, that's never going to be a business. That is just something that you've built for yourself. You have to talk to the customers and you have to know who they are, right? It it can't just be everybody on the internet, which is, I, I think, like what we think you can do. Slap up a website, put up a new Instagram, get some followers, and then who knows what. So I, I, I love I love what your program and your accelerator and your membership and your community is doing. So you in order uh, to be sort of accepted into your program, um, do women need to be at a certain level of revenue? Uh, what is what what are some of the criteria? The, the biggest criteria is you need to have have some form of traction. So meaning mm-hmm. we are not the best place to support anyone launching. And again, that goes back to, I love love that you pointed out that, you know, no, you don't serve everybody. You don't. Like when people are like, my customer, it's like they do these really general personas. A millennial woman, 25 to 34, that lives here, that's sitting, no, no, no. You need to get even, trim it down. Where does she work? What does she want to do? Like, what does she, there are so many, you do not serve everybody. And for yeah. us, we don't serve everybody. We serve women entrepreneurs who are already in business, that has some form of traction, and that are saying, I want to scale. I want to scale impact. And this yeah. is what it looks like to me. Scaling doesn't just mean a billion-dollar unicorn. I would say we have a 50-50 split in our community. 50% are on that trajectory. The other 50% are not. But yeah. what they all are saying in that resonates and aligns is, I'm going big, but I'm going my version of big. And that's enough. And so that's how we measure and how we say, you know, is this a good fit for us to serve? And then other things like, do we think it's a good cultural fit? Our culture is very important to us. So important. How we gather, who we gather with is really important. 
And if it's a founder that's just like, I'm just here to make money and do this. It's like, well, we're probably not the community for you because yeah. while we are, we talk about money, we talk about numbers. That's really a huge part of our culture. It's what does that do for the people we want to serve down to our customers, down to our families, down to our communities. It's so much bigger than us. And so yeah. our accelerator takes that into consideration. And then our membership that we're rolling out in September, what we kept hearing were these women that wanted like an everyday accelerator. Yeah. Like, I just want to be a part of this ongoing because we continue to support the founders in our community and that go through our programs consistently because we know that they're not going to just scale impact in seven weeks. That's just yeah. a lot. Again, this is not a microwave. We yeah. have to keep showing up <laughs> with each other and seeing how we rise together. And so we were like, this allows us to even further scale our impact while still keeping it curated, still keeping it consistent and being at the core. Our mission is moving women through the revenue pipeline. So we're building these really powerful companies that then give back to the collective and they mm -hmm. can bridge those generational wealth gaps because I really want to start seeing women on these, you know, even whether they're on a list or they're at a list or not. I don't, a lot of these lists are, don't even matter, honestly. Yeah. I don't even care if people don't see you on a list. I want you to be able to look at your bank account and your great, 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 great grandchildren are taken care of. But yeah. that has to start with, we have to give ourselves oxygen first and our companies need to be in a good position. So yeah, for for those that are looking for that support, I would definitely say go over to shegetshitdone.com. Great. And you can go to slash join. That will add you to our overall mailing list, which every Tuesday we send out a traction briefing. They're like five minutes skimmable. You know, we do a deep dive of our podcast and here are the tools. Here's how to think about this. So you can, it's like your, we call them like a traction briefing because it's something we want you to be able to like, oh, I can, I can copy this. We want you to yeah. copy it. Stop reinventing the wheel. Mm. And then more importantly, you can learn more about our accelerator and our memberships there as well. Beautiful. So you've got the podcast, you've got the newsletter, you've got the accelerator program, and then you have the membership. This is just absolutely amazing. And everybody can get there through getshitdone.com. Shegetshitdone.com. She gets she gets shit done.com. Yes, yeah. I love that. And if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn, are you open to that as well? I'm open. Sometimes I just don't look at my invitations for like the DMs. Everything is crazy there. So yeah. <laughs> it might take me a while. You can still follow our content. Perfect. But I would say the best way is just join, join on the mailing list and you will be plugged in. You'll hear about the events that we do, all of that. So you can get plugged into the community. Wonderful. Well, Alex, thank you so much. This has been such an incredible conversation. I can't wait to continue our conversations and do more together. And I just really appreciate you and the incredible work that you're doing. So thank you for being on the Sugar Coated Podcast. And we will all hopefully see you in some way, shape or form soon. Thank you. The She Leads Podcast Network.